I'm putting love on the radio, spreading joy everywhere I go. There's no way to hide my hope. Oh, no, this little light of mine. Hey, I'm gonna let it shine. Telling the world to save my soul. The only way I know with love on the radio. Hello, everybody. I'm Ryan Young, and you're listening to The Ryan Young Show live right now on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM or wherever you happen to be listening to podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Great to have you join me for another week. And boy, do we have a great show prepared for you today. Former Secretary of State and CIA Director Mike Pompeo will be joining the show to talk about the current state of our nation and what we can do to restore its founding principles. You don't want to miss that coming up in the second half of the show. We're going to be talking a lot of a lot of different stories about what's been taking place in the news from the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse in the first half to what just took place at the Astro World concert um, with Travis Scott. Uh, we're going to go get into all of these details and so much more. I'm Ryan Young, and this is the Ryan Young Show live right now on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Hey, guess what day it is? Oh, come on. I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is? Woo-hoo! All right, so it's November 9th, 2021. It's a Tuesday, and it's going to be a good week. I think it's starting to get a little colder, but also guess what today is? It's also World Freedom Day. So on this day, 22 years ago, the momentous event in history when the Berlin Wall was abolished took place. This wall separated families and communities for almost three decades, and today it marks the rise of democracy and freedom and the fall of communism in Eastern Europe. This is a, this is a wonderful day it's to celebrate freedom and to be grateful for the democracy and the, the amazing country that we live in here in America. I want to play a brief clip of Ronald Reagan during that famous Berlin Wall speech. Take a listen for World Freedom Day. We welcome change and openness, for we believe that freedom and security go together, that the advance of human liberty... The advance of human liberty can only strengthen the cause of world peace. There is one sign the Soviets can make that would be unmistakable, that would advance dramatically the cause of freedom and peace. General Secretary Gorbachev, if you seek peace, if you seek prosperity for the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe, if you seek liberalization, Come here to this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate. (laughs) Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Perhaps one of the most famous speeches that you might ever have heard. I don't know if, if you were alive during this time with when Ronald Reagan went to uh, East Germany and, and said, tear down this wall. It's, it's famous. You can look up the audio clip, but I wanted to make sure we played that today 
on World Freedom Day right here on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. So let's talk about what happened over the weekend, over the course of the last several days since we last did the show. There's been a lot of things unfolding. The start of the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse has just resumed Monday, which would be yesterday, in Wisconsin. And there was some crazy news coming out of this. I don't know if you know the story of what took place uh, with Kyle Rittenhouse, but this was in August 25th of 2020. Uh, there was unrest taking place in Kenosha. Kenosha, Wisconsin, after the police shooting of a man named Jacob Blake. And Kyle Rittenhouse is a 17-year-old from Antioch, Illinois. He, w- he shot and killed two men and wounded another man in the arm during confrontations at two different locations during this unrest. Um, and, and so this, this became a huge deal. People were calling him a white supremacist targeting black people. Um, and he's only 17 and there was a whole lot, a lot of issues here. It turns out he was in fact, uh, set, he said at least that he was there to provide medical aid. And he was in fact, yes, he was in fact carrying a med kit. But the most fascinating and important piece of information has just come out in this case that I want you all to be aware of. A witness, his name is Gage Grosskritz, I probably butchered his last name, but he was forced to admit that he was pointing a loaded gun at Kyle Rittenhouse while Rittenhouse was on the ground before he got shot. Um, This man was 27 years old. He also had a gun in his hand. He was stepping towards Rittenhouse and then at that moment was severely wounded multiple times after Rittenhouse shot him in the arm uh, in the streets of Kenosha. And I want to play the testimony uh, that, that we heard in this case with with the witness witness um, named by Gage Grosquitz because I think it's very fascinating and you should hear exactly what was discovered in the case of Kyle Rittenhouse. Take a listen to this uh, this exchange here. That's a photo of you, yes? Yes. Okay. Um, that's Mr. Rittenhouse? Correct. Okay. Now, you'd agree your firearm is pointed at Mr. Rittenhouse, correct? Yes. Okay. And once your firearm is pointed at Mr. Rittenhouse, that's when he fires his gun. Yes? No. Sir, look, I don't want to... Does this look like right now your arm is being shot? That looks like my bicep being vaporized, yes. Okay. And it's being vaporized because you're pointing your gun directly at him. Yes? Yes. Okay, so when you were standing three to five feet from him with your arms up in the air, he never fired, right? Correct. It wasn't until you pointed your gun at him, advanced on him, with your gun, now your hands down, pointed at him, that he fired, right? Correct. Did you hear that? It wasn't until you advanced on him, pointed a gun at him, that he fired. It's a very powerful piece of information that you should be aware of in this case surrounding Kyle Rittenhouse. And we'll see what takes place there. Obviously, they're, they're, they're arguing self-defense uh, because of the fact that there were guns pointed at him, that he did get, in fact, have a skateboard hit him in the back of the head. And I want to be clear. It's always tragic when there's a loss of life, but it's important that we, we do find the truth in these situations and we don't exaggerate what took place. We don't use it to promote uh, further division in our country. And so I'm looking forward for, for justice to prevail there and, and the truth to ultimately um, play out how, as ever it may be, whether or not he's innocent or guilty. Uh, we will trust that the judge and the jury will be able to come to that conclusion based off of the facts and information that has been presented. 
Another huge story that I think the media and, and you have been talking about perhaps with your younger kids or perhaps you are younger and you, you've been watching videos of what took place at the World concert where eight people have now uh, been been proven to have died. Uh, we've seen also over 300 injuries where concert goers at rapper Travis Scott's performance, um, they, they, have, they have actually uh, been injured. And, and we've seen information that have now unfolded that's saying that this concert wasn't like a typical concert. There was somewhat of what many attendees are claiming to be a satanic ritual where where Travis Scott in fact actually watched his fans fall to the ground as paramedics tried to resuscitate them during the performance on Friday um, but he failed to stop the show and and there's major outcry over this the fact that uh, this famous singer Travis Scott this famous rapper um, was aware of the fact that there were concert goers uh, really that uh, that were passing away live during the concert, falling to the ground, being trampled on, and, and even people reportedly being um, injected by methamphetamines and other drugs. We'll see what all the drugs were during his concert, and he failed to stop it. Um, there's some major outcry going on right now. But what I want to share with you is a quote from a man who's actually says he is a rapper himself. He, he, he released a video explaining what he witnessed while he was at the Travis Scott concert and let me read this to you quote it was so many bodies who were laid out people were getting pulled out who was fainted the managers were trying to give them cpr and they were flipping them over and they were literally turning black and blue i've never seen death in my life bro that was the the scariest demonic crap that was so so crazy people were screaming help trying to tell travis scott the whole crowd was going help 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 and he just kept going bro it was scary and it was obviously demonic end quote and this is one thing I want to talk about, how we see now more and more in Hollywood, in, in the mainstream media, the promotion of really demonic stuff, demonic activity from the, the symbols of the pentagram and all of the different things that we're seeing with these different rappers, where we even saw shoes made with, with human blood and all of this. It's a frightening thing. And they have a video that's already come out that, that shows uh, Travis Scott watching the paramedics carry out a member who died in his audience as he continues to sing. Um, and, and if you watch these videos, it's frightening. I mean, we, we see a tunnel in the front. We see all sorts of evil imagery taking place in strange chanting and, and people really just looking almost possessed by demonic activity where people are passing away. And it was tragic, and I wanted to bring it to your attention because we need to be aware what type of music not only are our kids listening to, but what are we listening to passively? Because sometimes there's these hidden messages in the music that we listen to that are not honorable to God and frankly promote violence and evil activity within our own beings and with our, within our own children and family. And so just to be aware uh, of what's taking place in the music industry right now, and especially in Hollywood, promoting demonic activity. And we, we need to pray that um, the people that have been injured at this concert would heal and, and recover from this and that the eight people, their families would be comforted and, and that God would, would, would watch over them as they're dealing with this amazing, this amount of grief and sorrow that they're going through right now. And I, I pray that, that they'll, they'll begin to, to recover from this. I, I, I could only imagine what it would be like to lose a child in, in a concert like this. Um, but just be aware of what's taking place right now in the news. 
Another story that I want to bring to your attention, uh, this surrounds Project Veritas. Uh, the founder, James O'Keefe, was recently arrested by the FBI at his home. Uh, it was searched, his home was searched as part of the latest efforts by this Biden Department of Justice to investigate a missing diary from Biden's daughter. I don't know if you've, you're aware of this story, but I want to bring it to your attention. It's very fascinating. So uh, supposedly a diary of Joe Biden's daughter went missing, um, all sorts of quotes in it that were very damning against Joe Biden. And uh, the DOJ has investigated, trying to determine who released it. it. It seems somewhat like a hit job on Project Veritas. Project Veritas never did, in fact, release the story or run with it. Um, a group of people claiming to have found the diary wanted to have them release it. They, they wanted compensation for the diary to be released. It ended up getting released anyways. But now um, the DOJ is attacking all of the investigative journalists and Biden is using the DOJ to do his own bidding to try to get this story to to not reach your ears. But I do, in fact, have direct copy images from the diary that I want to read to you. Um, they're very graphic, so just be aware of this. And this is these are supposedly direct quotes from Ashley Biden, Joe Biden's daughter. And take a listen. He, he, she said, quote, she was hypersexualized at a young age. What does this do to, quote, was I molested? I think so, but I can't truly remember. Specifics I do remember, though, trauma. And then he, she goes on to list her trauma, including, quote, showers with my dad, which were probably not appropriate, being turned on when I wasn't supposed to be. And on and on it goes. I'm not going to read it all because it is rather graphic. But if you hear... Heard that one quote right there, showers with my dad, which were probably not appropriate. I think that should raise some eyebrows. Um, it, it, this is this has been confirmed now by the FBI, by even the New York Times and the Department of Justice saying that this is, in fact, uh, Joe, Biden Joe Biden's daughter's diary. And we're hearing in it that she was hypersexualized as a kid, as a kid and, and, and molested as well. And then she goes on to describe that she was forced to take showers with her own father. This is frightening, folks. This is the, the president of the United States' daughter speaking about the current president of the United States. So I wanted that to be brought to your attention um, because while they attack investigative journalists in this administration, while Joe Biden uses the Department of Justice um, really – Mis misusing the Department of Justice and abuse of power, in my opinion, to target those that he doesn't agree with, those that are releasing damning information about himself and his daughter. Um, just be aware of that. Be aware of the true story behind this, because I know you won't hear it from the mainstream media, the New York Times or anywhere. They're not going to touch the story. I doubt even Fox News is going to read the diary. But now that you are aware of it, I think that's, that's the most important thing to, to be aware and to focus on the truth above all else. Um, we'll see how this all unfolds and, and whether or not these claims are legitimate. But if they are, um, I, I pray that this will be exposed and that Joe Biden will be held responsible for, for this seemingly child abuse of his own daughter. I'm Ryan Young, and this is The Ryan Young Show, live right now on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM.
right, so I do have a microphone, so I'm going to share this good news story today. And this is a cool one. A young boy named Pastor at the age of seven, he received the surprise of a lifetime just on Monday when he was able to share a dinner of hamburgers and cookies with Santa in the North Pole, just as he requested. And this is a powerful story because the Woodland, California resident, um, this young seven-year-old boy, he's currently battling leukemia, and he had made a wish fulfilled on the same day that Macy's has kicked off its annual 14th annual Believe Letter Writing Campaign in partnership with Make-A-Wish Foundation. And Make-A-Wish Foundation was able to grant his wish Um, And he was able to not only have hamburgers and cookies with Santa Claus at the North Pole, but he was able to um, feed reindeer and have a snowball fight and do sorts, all sorts of other activities. His aunt said, uh, quote, we feel overwhelmed with joy. Our hearts have melted. We were looking forward to this day. He all he would always talk about it. We just felt so happy for him that he finally got to see Santa. The seven-year-old boy was then treated to a number of exciting activities. Like I said, um, he he had hoped to do with Santa one day. He ate cheeseburgers. He fed a live reindeer. He decorated a gingerbread house. He had a snowball fight, and he opened presents. And even though we're only, we're, we're two months away still from Christmas, I wanted to share this with you because. Wishes do come true. Miracles happen. And this young boy who's battling leukemia right now, his day was blessed on Monday. And I want us all, uh, when we have time today, or even right now, if you can take a minute, let's pray for Pastor, the seven-year-old boy battling leukemia. If you would, let's pray. Father God, I pray for Pastor, uh, for his leukemia. I pray that you would be able to take this away from him, restore his health and his body I pray that your will will be done for him and for his family and his aunt. Lord Jesus, you know what's going on right now with Pastor. You know the the difficulties that he's dealing with. I pray that you would comfort him right now, wherever he is. Take away the pain that he's dealing with. Bring him closer to you so that he might feel your spirit while he's going through this difficulty, that you might fully restore his body. And I pray with faith, right now that those listening to the show that are praying with me, we all pray right now that your will will be done right now in his life to take away his leukemia, to make him whole. Lord Jesus, we pray this and we know that your will has been done right now through faith. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And that is a good news story. Yes, it's sad to hear that a young boy is battling leukemia and and I know how tragic that is. But to hear that he was able to experience something that he always desired through the Make-A-Wish Foundation, to be able to meet with Santa Claus and engage in these activities, I think that's very, very powerful. You know, I, I love Christmas. I already, I have to admit something. I'm guilty of it already. I know there's like a, an unwritten rule that you're not supposed to sing Christmas music until after Thanksgiving. But guess what, folks? I, I found myself over the weekend, I was studying for a midterm in economics here at Hillsdale. And I found myself singing Christmas music, um, playing Christmas music. And it honestly, it cheered me up. It made me feel great. I was singing um, all the different songs from Bing Crosby to Michael Buble. I even heard a Justin Bieber Christmas song. I don't know. Anyways, it got me happy. Maybe you get into Christmas a little early too. I know some people like to put up their Christmas tree, not only on Thanksgiving, but sometimes even before Thanksgiving. I love Christmas. It's it's important to remember the true meaning of Christmas. And um, maybe you even started the countdown to Christmas. I think, I know ABC Family, which is now called Freeform, um, I believe they do a countdown to Christmas. And then we know Hallmark 
channel does their Christmas in July, which gets you started really early. No matter how much you love Christmas, hopefully you'll be able to get inspired by the story we just shared with you about Pastor and his his opportunity just on Monday to have uh, a meal with Santa and and hang out with Santa. Maybe you'll start getting in the festive spirit early too. Uh, This is the Ryan Young Show. I'm Ryan Young, live right now on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Before we get to the break, since we have Secretary Mike Pompeo joining us in the second half, I want to make sure I share some word of word of scripture for you. So no matter where you go today, no matter if you're going to work or to school or what's going on in your life, if you're dealing with a difficulty, uh, being in conflict with a family member or a parent, we need to remember what the word of God says to be inspired and to always be walking in his spirit. Today's verse of the day is Ephesians 3, 20. Now all glory goes to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. See, through his power, we'll be able to accomplish anything, infinitely more. Remember Philippians 4.13, for I can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. So if you're worried about something today, if you're battling something that you're dealing with, if hardship just came your way, maybe you got laid off from your job, maybe you're, you're worried about a potential issue at school, if you didn't get the test score you wanted, if you're dealing with something as severe as what pastor's going through, the seven-year-old boy battling leukemia, no matter what it is, we can remember that all glory goes to God who is in us and that his mighty power working within us can accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think from ourselves. I hope that'll give you the encouragement today to go forward in his spirit, inspired and living as a light to those who are desperately in need of his message and Jesus's love in their life today. Go forth at work, at school, wherever you go, walking in his spirit and being a light to those around you. I'm Ryan Young, and this is The Ryan Young Show, live right now on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Don't go anywhere. We've got former Secretary of State and CIA Director Mike Pompeo joining the show to talk about faith and freedom. I'm Ryan Young, and I'll see you in a moment. All right, everybody, welcome back to The Ryan Young Show. I'm Ryan Young, live right now on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM or wherever you're listening to podcasts. Joining me now is former Secretary of State and CIA Director Mike Pompeo. Mr. Secretary, it's an honor to have you on the show. It's wonderful to be with you. Thanks for having me on the show, sir. No problem. Well, the students at Hillsdale admire you greatly because not only are you well accomplished and you know how to get things done for our nation, but you're a man of great faith and integrity. And those are qualities right now that our country is in desperate need of. Um, Right now, we're seeing so little that's getting done that's productive with the current administration. So what I'd like to do is spend our time focusing on what can be done to restore our country. Uh, Most importantly, I think matters of faith. Uh, and that's where I'd actually like to start. How has your faith infused your personal life and path as a public servant? You know, I've often been attacked for speaking so openly about who I am. Uh, at the center of, of my life is my faith in Jesus Christ. My uh, my central understanding of Christianity informs everything that I do. 
Uh, my responsibility when I serve the people of South Central Kansas as a member of Congress or when I ran two small businesses was, of course, to those to those to those entities and the uh, the people who I was elected to serve. But it was always the case that my value set, my understanding of the world was informed by uh, my Christian faith and the, the fact that every human being is created in the image of God and that we should treat every one of our fellow human beings with the dignity they deserve. Those those understandings informed everything I do. They're inseparable for me and how I think about policy. And uh, I, I I know that I have served in each of those roles in a way that has delivered better outcomes because of my faith. That's powerful. Do you mind sharing how you came to know Jesus as your own Savior? It would have been the summer of 1982. I'd, I'd grown up in a family where my parents took me to church and Sunday school, but I wasn't, it wasn't a priority for me growing up in middle school or high school even. But when I uh, was blessed to get admitted to the United States Military Academy at West Point in the summertime, there were a couple of young men, cadets uh, a year or two older than me, who held a Bible study. I'm not sure I knew it was a Bible study when I first showed up. They offered free cookies. <laughs> um, but we would, we would read from the Bible. We would uh, engage in fellowship. We would talk about the Lord. And these were the two men who taught me to read the Bible and taught me about Jesus Christ, and I have been a follower of him since then. It's very powerful. Thank you for sharing that testimony with us. Right now, right, we're seeing with the left and the mainstream media, there seems to be a constant attack on uh, Judeo-Christian principles with the attack on the nuclear family to indoctrination in the school systems, uh, as well as technological isolation for our youth uh, heightened by the pandemic that we've witnessed what can we do to turn our nation back to God? So your, your predicate is precisely right. And those three things are all deeply connected, I would add to that. Uh, the institutional media, in, in addition to social media, who has worked to undermine this central unit of every sex successful civilization, the family. Uh, they use, they use uh, efforts to uh, destroy language. You now have cabinet members who refuse to word, use the word mother, Right, these distinctions uh, on gender have been drawn in ways that are deeply inconsistent with both uh, my understanding of the world and the Lord's, as well as basic science uh, that there are but two genders. Uh, these are things that are designed to tear at the very fabric of our nation, and so uh, we have to fight back first by reclaiming the language and being crystal clear. There's, you know, there's this great great quote. It's been attributed to both, I think, Vaclav Havel and to Pope John Paul II, which is to live in truth and to call good and evil by name. And I think that's the first responsibility that we have, both as uh, political leaders and uh, Christians, people of faith, is to do that. We have to always speak the truth and do so fearlessly. We should do it in a gracious way. We should do it out of love. But that's the first step. Second, um, we, for a long time, have allowed our central institutions, K-12 through schools, our uh, media, now even the military, to be co-opted by these ideas, these progressive ideas on race and on faith and dragging faith out of the public square. We have to reclaim those spaces. We have to reclaim those spaces for people who understand the world in a way that is consistent with what our founders knew. Our founders knew that this was a republic and it couldn't survive without men of virtue and men of faith. Adams talked about that. Washington talked about that. We have to remember that this is what has made our nation so amazing. 
so exceptional now for almost 250 years and and to be sure that the next 250 years are equally exceptional we have to go reclaim these institutions including the restructure excuse me the rebuilding of the family unit when we do those things good things will happen all across this remarkable country Mm-hmm. And right now, I know the left uses the whole principle of separation of church and state. Uh, they try to use that to their benefit. Um, but we know that our legal system is rooted in Judeo-Christian values. How, how do we go about trying to re- reconcile this distinction and upholding the, the founding principles, as, as you quoted? You know, it's really pretty straightforward. Uh, the founders knew that no, no republic survives without faith and virtue. Uh, and our Constitution reflects that, as did the Declaration of Independence. These were central understandings of our country. And now for, oh goodness, coming on uh, 60 years, maybe it's post-World War II, uh, they, they have tried through the court system and through elected officials to drive faith out of every part of the public square. We should just never permit that to happen. It's neither constitutionally required nor good for America. And so we should make sure that uh, wherever we go, we start meetings with prayer. We should honor people of every faith, right? This is not a country uh, that excludes people of any faith from practicing their religion in the way that they so choose. We should require that. When when I watched uh, the work that we did abroad on religious freedom, this was an important part of the Trump administration's work, helping human beings around the world have the capacity to practice their faith. I was simultaneously simultaneously watching in 2020, governments tried to shut down people at home from practicing their faith. They denied parishioners the chance to fellowship because of this virus thing. Uh, look, I saw so many pastors who did amazing work. They wanted their flock to be together. They wanted people to be able to practice their faith in their synagogue or their church or their mosque. And they wanted to do it so safely, and they found ways to do it, and yet government was trying to close that down, to control that, to prevent that from happening. We should always remember that the massive room that we have for faith in our central institutions in the United States is not only lawful and appropriate, but necessary. Another issue right now that we're seeing, you talked about the pandemic and everything that's taken place there. Now we're dealing with what many Americans are focusing on. I think probably the most pressing issue is is over these vaccine mandates. We're seeing first responders and even military servicemen and women. They're being denied the freedom to choose what goes into their own body. Uh, what advice can you give to the American people who, for either religious or medical reasons, are standing up against the mandates? Well, this is also pretty straightforward, both as a moral matter and as a religious matter, and as a matter of, of of how the United States operates our laws and our Constitution. I think you saw uh, the first court response to this this past week, where two circuit courts have now made clear that the President of the United States of America does not have the power to commandeer businesses to mandate uh, vaccines for persons. Uh, we we also have watched as some government institutions have not provided adequate response for those who deem it necessary to assert their religious convictions to prevent that prevent them from getting this vaccine. To watch a government institution deny even so much as the consideration of an exemption for a religious belief for someone who is sitting under a man uh, a vaccine mandate is enormously dangerous for our republic. Look, my view at the end of the day is that we ought not to mandate these vaccines. The government's role here is to provide sound information, reliable information. We were the ones, our administration was the ones who created a vaccine 
in a, in a time frame that no one believed it could be done, we should then have government responsibly acting to deliver, deliver fact-based medical solutions that help people make informed decisions about how they take care of themselves and keep themselves healthy and keep their families and children healthy as well. I totally agree. But when our government, if our government fails at their duty, uh, like we're seeing right now with the current administration, uh, do you believe that at a certain point there, there needs to be civil disobedience? Well, we've, we've seen that already. We've seen people make these decisions uh, that says, I'm not going to get the vaccine. Uh, many of them have been forced to leave their workplace as a result of that. I'm confident many of those will uh, decide that it is uh, worthwhile to respond, to file lawsuits or to respond or to seek uh, reinstatement. Uh, there are cases flooding the U.S. courts. Uh, but I'm, I'm very confident that people will make the right decisions for themselves about this when these uh, mandates are forced on them in a way that is completely inappropriate. And now at least two courts have decided almost certainly unlawful. Mm-hmm. From your own national security background, I was wondering, do you believe that these mandates might be putting our nation at a greater risk if we're seeing military men um, and, and really first responders uh, being put in this uncomfortable situation? Look, we've watched, I think the New York Police Department's got staffing issues. Uh, these actually go beyond this, to be honest with you. Uh, this is an absolute lack of respect for our law enforcement officers around the world and the progressive movement. Uh, we saw this in Minneapolis. We saw this in Portland. We saw uh, cities and leaders decide they wanted to defund the police. This is, this is not just about uh, the mandate or the vaccine. This is a, a bigger challenge to threaten us. It's certainly the case in our military as well. We've watched as they've had senior leaders inside the United States military become deeply political. These these things cumulatively are very dangerous. These are the institutions that not only keep us safe, as you referred to, and defend us at home and defend us from threats from abroad, but these are institutions that have always been central to uh, understanding America as a country with the rule of law, respecting property rights, respecting American individual liberty as well. If those institutions deteriorate, if our capacity to execute on these important military and law enforcement function fades, I promise you our adversaries and criminals here at home will run it, will try to drive a truck through that very weakness. This is Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. I'm Ryan Young speaking with former Secretary of State and CIA Director Mike Pompeo about the current state of our nation and what we can do to restore its founding principles. Uh, Mr. Secretary, you've said many times that America must be defended from enemies, both foreign and domestic. Uh, But what what do you believe right now is the biggest threat to America? The biggest external threat to America, something that comes from outside of our country, is quite clearly the communism that sits in the leadership of China. The Chinese Communist Party itself has both the capability, 1.4 billion people, a massive cyber capability, a big espionage operation, even here inside the United States, certainly all across the world, a very capable military, both Air Force and Navy, to do ec- extraterritorial activity, uh, and an intent, a-, a leader in General Secretary Xi Jinping, who has made clear that the Middle Kingdom, the China dream, the idea of China as the global hegemon is something that is very much at the center of his ideology, his Marxist-Leninist, Chinese nationalist ideology, and he is determined to achieve that. The United States must be just as determined at pushing back. If we are, we will be successful. It's not; they're not ten feet tall. 
they are not unstoppable, not a machine we don't don't know how to respond to. But but for 40 years, the United States policy was sell a few more trinkets, buy a few more things, and the Chinese will come to be a nation that participates in the global order in the way that Western countries do. Mm-hmm. That that lie is now plain. It is now clear. And we must respond in a way that reflects our our deep knowledge of what communist countries do when they seek global power. And we know how to respond. We know the tools we have in the arsenal, not just America, but Europe, Southeast Asia, Japan, South Korea, Australia, India. Each of these countries know that it is in their best interest to push back against this big external threat to the West, that central idea of reason and the West. If we do that, we'll be successful, and America will have another 250 great years. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that that's the greatest foreign threat, so I guess the obvious question would be what's the greatest domestic threat, especially if we're seeing Chinese infiltration right now in America, in Hollywood, in mainstream media, and many people question whether or not even with our our current leaders. Well, we thought with uh, the congressman from California, Eric Swalwell, we, we know they are working our government leaders uh, when I was Secretary of State, we released a report showing that the Chinese Communist Party was working hard to get governors, 50 governors, to get them on Team China and pull them away from Team America, a very concerted espionage and influence campaign here inside the gates. But the biggest threat from home, Ryan, is the one that our founders knew about. Republics almost always fall, not from some adversary abroad, but from Uh, decay and decline inside the country. Uh, The biggest threat is the failure to teach, the the biggest risk is the failure to teach this next generation of students in our schools, in middle school, in high school, the ideas of Western civilization and the greatness of the United States of America and our traditions and our history. If we don't do that, if we walk away from those ideas, if we if we suggest to students somehow that America is a racist nation founded in 1619 on a racist idea, then we risk that next generation not understanding why it is the case that America is so special, why people want to come here, why we have grown our economy in the way that we have, why the world looks to the United States for moral leadership. If we, if we forget our founding, if we don't teach these central ideas, then that risk undermining our republic in the way that no other threat, internal or external, poses to the United States. Mm -hmm. Right now, I think a lot of parents are waking up with what's unfolded with the critical race theory, what you were talking about right there. Um, And I think people are realizing that we need to start checking in on what our children are learning about. But uh, mainly what's taking place right now is a lot of people are are complaining about a lot of different things. And I want to get your your opinion about what we can do to really fight back and and preserve uh, the education of our youth. Brian, the left, the progressive left has been working in our schools for 60 years. This didn't happen overnight. I think there's people who have have, uh, awakened to this risk, but this has been a long time coming. Uh, The good news is there's a clear response. Uh, It is a local response. It's what our founders understood about the small platoons in America, right? Family, community, churches at home. Parents standing up for their children. I see it happening. I've been out working on behalf of candidates all across the country these last months. I see people for the first time engaged uh, in ways they've not been engaged before who, who understand that he who sets the curriculum for our students drives so much of what happens in our schools and for our kids. And so, you know, there's a lot of parents that don't have a whole heck of a lot of time. 
to look, they're working, they're working two jobs. We need to make sure that parents have good choices for where they can send their students. We need to make sure that we elect to school boards and to county commissions and to boards of regions who set state education policy in most states in the United States of America. For a long time, those those things were ignored. We worried about who our senator was or who our president was, and we forgot that the city council or the sheriff's office or the county commission or the board of elections, those are people who really impact our lives. And so we need to redouble our effort. Those of us who are conservative, market market-believing people who understand values and virtue, we need to make sure that we're working hard to find candidates who are prepared to go serve their local community in ways that will deliver and fix what has happened in our schools for the last 40 years. Amen. I totally agree with you. Uh, you talked about the different levels of, of government all the way down to the sheriff's office and the local school board. I want to ask how deep from your personal experience as CIA director and Secretary of State, uh, how deep is this deep state that everyone seems to be talking about more and more? Well, in the role of CIA, we were working abroad. We weren't working on these issues at home. Uh, but my experience has been is that the progressive left has been working in these places, right? They they like government, right? <laughs> so right. You, they, they, they're happy to volunteer to serve on city council, right? We, Conservatives believe we should have a small government. We, uh, we, we've tended to say, you know, that's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to go build my, I'm going to take care of my family. I'm going to go work at my, at a soup kitchen. I'm going to go lead a Bible study in my church. I'm going to go run my small business and take care of my community. Uh, we need to be reminded that these institutions, these political institutions, these small political institutions in places like Kingman County, Kansas, or Comanche County, Kansas, these um, these these institutions matter, and we need to make sure that we are engaged and we are working every day to make sure that those institutions, those sheriff's offices and city councils and county commissions reflect the value set that is ours and one that is consistent with our historic founding as well. Mm-hmm. I want to switch gears a little bit in the remaining minutes and talk a little bit about foreign relations and really your focus as CIA director and secretary of state. Uh, we witnessed what took place in Afghanistan. Right now, many Americans are still actually stranded. A lot of stuff's taking place there. Um, what what can we do to stabilize the region if that's necessary and, and get the remaining Americans out? Well, it is tragic, and indeed historically tragic, that this administration allowed so many Americans to be left behind, that we pulled our military out before we had accomplished the basic mission of getting every American home. And it was equally tragic that we had 13 Americans who were killed during the withdrawal. It didn't have to be that way. In the Trump administration, we had worked hard to make sure that that day did not occur in the way that it occurred in the Biden administration. They came in and ripped up our plan and set an arbitrary deadline for withdrawal. And the Taliban decided that that was their signal to create chaos and havoc and create enormous risk for Americans who are still on the ground. Look, this administration can do a lot to still get them out. I hope that they will. There are many private efforts, non-governmental efforts that are working to try and get not only the American citizens, but those who we promised we would permit to come into our country to permit them to get back as well. We have we've given up an enormous amount of leverage uh, with the Taliban by our departure, but there are still there are still partner nations in the region who will help us do this. We should work closely alongside them, and we should make sure that any American who wants to come home to get out of that country has the capacity to do so.
what's interesting with the Biden administration right now is they abandon Americans in Afghanistan, but they're allowing illegal immigrants to flow uh, into America right now. And we're, we're hearing talks about potentially even paying up to $450,000 in compensation. I just want to get your thoughts on Biden, Biden's yeah. handling of our this, southern border. This is crazy. This is crazy. It's not even the 450000 They should We shouldn't pay a single penny to someone who comes into our country illegally. Indeed, we should use American tools to protect American sovereignty. We, we had this figured out. It took us a couple of years. We had, we had courts throw out the initial efforts that President Trump and our team made to secure our southern border. But by the time we departed, we had the Mexican government doing a lot of work to prevent these folks from coming across. We had this all right. We had a policy that said, fine, file your asylum claim in the United States, but you're going to remain in Mexico until that asylum claim is resolved. And that stopped the flow. It stopped the magnet here in the United States. Mm -hmm. What we've seen take place is the Biden administration came in and tore that up. They ripped it apart. And not only is this a national security risk, because we don't know who's coming in, but we'll create an epidemic. Fentanyl is flowing across our border in ways that it has never done before. And there's also a real tragedy for these people who try to make this trek into our country and end up living in the shadows. And they are often suffering from cartel behavior. Not only are they treated poorly, but some of the people are trafficked. Uh, this is truly tragic for the individuals as well as it is not in, it is not in anyone's best interest to have an open border on America's southern border. We have to secure our ports of entry. We have to secure our northern border as well. We have a responsibility to have a safe and sovereign America, and we know who's coming in and out of our country. We can do it. We, we demonstrated that this administration could do it tomorrow if they so chose. Mm -hmm. Well, the Biden administration, we just saw Biden's approval rating has now dropped to 38 percent. And so I, I think the American people are aware and we're looking forward to 2022 and especially 2024. Um, and, and I want to ask, are you considering potentially running for president in 2024 or, or at least being a part of that ticket if the opportunity was presented? Only the Lord knows uh, precisely where I will be in 2023 and 2024. I am so focused on making sure that we create a short runway for this administration in 2022. We're helping candidates all across the country. But Ryan, know this. Uh, I'm going to stay in this fight. This fight matters to America. I've, I've been at it a long time, uh, several decades now, working to do my part to serve America in any way that Susan, my wife, and I can do. We, we, we won't give this up, not in 2021, 2022, or 2024. We, we will stay in the fight. What role that will uh, cause us to be in, no one can predict. Mm -hmm. Well, regardless of how 2024 unfolds, I think many Americans are still concerned about uh, uh, election integrity after what took place in 2020. Uh, how do we know, I guess, would be the final question I have for you. How do we know that our elections are, in fact, secure going forward? We have to work at it. Uh, this this last election wasn't the first time that there have been election shenanigans, right? We The historians will tell you that President Nixon had an election stolen from him by President Kennedy. The Democrats were unhappy in 2000. Uh, we, we've, had, we've had trouble with elections before. The United States knows how to run good, clean, safe, sound elections filled with integrity. We should do that. It starts with making sure you know who's voting. So the central idea of voter ID is is easily accomplished and should be unobjectionable anywhere in the United States of America. Second, 
We have to be really careful about absentee ballots. Uh, the, the risk increases greatly when you allow mass numbers of people to vote by absentee ballot in ways that the United States didn't do for its first 150, 175 years. There are processes one can put in place to make sure that every American who's entitled to vote gets the opportunity to do so, and they get to vote precisely one time, and those who are not entitled to vote aren't allowed to vote, and that the fraud is reduced to a level that we have confidence that when we announce the winner of an election in the United States of America, whether it's for president of the United States, for the U.S. House of Representatives, or for an election office in Barber County, Kansas, the American people can have confidence that the outcome announced reflects the will of the people who actually were entitled to vote for those candidates. Amen. That's what we need. Well, Secretary Pompeo, yes, it was an honor to speak with you today. And, and I, we, I, I speak for the American people when I say that we truly need you and to keep the faith and keep being a bold leader for us. Yes, sir. Ryan, thank you so much. I promise you I will do that. Thank so you. Long. You've been listening to The Ryan Young Show live right now on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a beautiful and a blessed day.